What is it like to live inside history? Why an idea of the end of history was wrong? What does history mean and why is Ukraine important for the world's future? You are listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. Explaining Ukraine is a podcast by Ukraine World, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, chief editor of Ukraine World and Ukrainian philosopher. My co-host is Tetyana Harkova, the head of the International Department at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the biggest and oldest Ukrainian media NGOs. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on patreon.com slash ukraineworld. You can also support our humanitarian and volunteer trips to the frontline at PayPal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. Okay, Tanya, so let's discuss this topic, this philosophical topic, but I think it's very important. What does it mean to live inside history and why actually we are living during times when history has already has begun again uh, maybe to 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 say uh, to say it in this way right yeah let's start maybe with our present with what we are living today so we ukrainians are sure that what we are living through now will be things which will be mentioned uh, for sure in textbooks for in, in for the next generation so we're absolutely sure to, to see all the lines about all the battles we are living through uh, in in the future we are even making jokes that our kids they uh, they miss a lot of courses a lot of lessons a lot of courses of of many subjects in school because of alerts because of electricity cuts but what they do learn they learn history now because they see what's happening so what we read now in the media what you read in the analysis things which will be there and i would say maybe the first point will be that history is always tragic so it's always very concrete this is not abstract this is not what you read this is not what you imagine this real uh, it's about human Uh, suffering is a lot about death this a lot about life as well this is a lot about support a lot about hatred about, about big movements of people about people who leave their homeland and people who come back to fight so this is about uh, abnormal life history is something not normal this is when you are out of your zone of comfort as uh, some coaches say now so it's, they are they invite people to leave their zone of comfort but this is what ukrainians live through during all this uh, terrible war yeah so history is comparable to the great dramas i uh, i always tend to say that the great dramas being be it uh, sophocles schillers or shakespeare or Racine or Lesya Ukrainka, uh, they, they are written in the times of history uh, when everything is changing all the time. Like the same, the, the next page of the drama is completely changes the world. It's like the world is on every moment, every minute is upside down. And uh, we're living through this, uh, these times and it's just on the banal level. Like remember... Uh, in the times of march for example when uh, when 
when people didn't get didn't have any gasoline gasoline was in deficit right and uh, uh, people were saying oh look there is good good guys who own electricity cars electric cars and um, they're happy happy owners of these uh, electric cars they're wise men and then we had this electricity cuts and uh, people who owned electric cars are you know very suffering and people who own gasoline cars are, are happy to be able to move um, and this is of course very banal banal example but i think one uh, very simple idea about history is that uh, you should be ready for transformation and there is no place for real planning so what we see in the european civilization for many decades already that people they have the habit to plan to foresee events uh, they have plans uh, for the next week next months next years the banking system is functioning in the same manner so people can can imagine can can imagine their lives for decades but was absolutely impossible when you live inside history. So uh, in the beginning of this war, in the full-scale invasion, people were unable to plan a, a single day. So you never know, never knew what what will happen next. And even now, uh, if you look on the most banal level, we never know how our plan, our day will be. Because when you wake up and you are going to, 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 to work or, you, for example, you send your kids to school and then there is an air alert and you have to cancel everything because there are missiles uh, or something like that. So you never know what will happen even tomorrow. So in, in which way your day will be. So on the most banal level, this is And most importantly, um, I think that when you live inside history, you live through the history, you just cannot, nobody can imagine how how um, this war, for example, will end. And that's why we meet such formulas, uh, even from European leaders, they tend to say now that, for example, we will support Ukraine as long as it will need it. So, But nobody knows how long it will last and uh, until which moment it will it it will be and which outcome we'll have in the end of that and history is of course about the readiness psychological readiness that your life your life can end very soon uh, especially if if we, when we talk to the soldiers that's on the front line that's that's a very clear that we see that basically we we cannot we can there can be a situation when we will not see them again uh, in 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 a week or in two weeks and uh, this also makes your your reflection about life absolutely different. And you said that we cannot plan. Also, the soldiers on the front line they are they are not free will typical free will persons. You cannot, for example, agree with them that let's let's make an interview in two days in that particular place in that particular cafe or on the phone because they can they do not really know what they will do tomorrow, what order they will get, what task they will get. This is also, of course, the changes the um, the perception of time. There is no borders between what we call tend to call private and public so your life is a quite a mess of what's going on so you are not a master of your own life so this is a very strange feeling when you cannot uh, plan things you, you are not mastering your lives because a lot of things depend not on you because nobody knows what what will happen and if you live such for a long time in such a situation so you just you adapt to such a situation and you are you are ready to accept that you um that you are open for a future, even if this future will last for one day or maybe one hour for a soldier in the somewhere in the battlefield. Or you are you are not sure to, to be here in that place in one week or in one month because maybe I don't know, Russian troops will advance here and you, you just don't know and you accept psychologically to live 
without a plan. And that's it. That's what when when you live in a in a history. So it it means that everything is uh, is very uh, very basic. Everything is full of uh, black swans. Uh, the black swan is a metaf- metaphor of the unpredictability. But now we are full of black swans. We don't know what is what is what is bigger in number: black swans or white swans. And that's also a, a very important. I think history is about transformation. It's not about tra- not only about tragedy, of course, because all the tragedies are also about transformation. So. Uh, I think everybody in Ukraine has become a different person during this war. Uh, there are radical transformations when civilians, you know, uh, those people who worked as uh, sellers in the supermarkets, uh, IT experts, musicians, sportsmen, uh, university professors, truck drivers, they suddenly became soldiers. Uh, people were respected people in the hierarchy they earned um, good salaries and 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 they become a very rank and file people in the infantry who are getting orders and um, are, are are implementing these orders this means a, a big a big uh, transformation that that you that you start a new life inside of your own inside of the previous life and this is something very, very, very important when we look about this, because when we think about this, because I mean, philosophically, we know that um, all the societies has this had these rites of initiation when a young person gets through this rite de passage, the ritual of passage, from the uh, childhood to adulthood, and he or she transforms herself. The marriage was also this kind of a ritual, the baptism, the entering, the religious order, whatever you call it. And then we went into another logic of time in the modernity when uh, this this transformation points were kind of a cancelled when 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 life has been seen as a as a gradual progress towards something as the sum of 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 little achievements small achievements one by one and uh, we don't know whether it's better or worse but now we are we are back in these older societies because we are we are back in this logic of a profound transformation of a person of a community yes exactly if you look at at, at our faces the faces of ukrainians it's striking for example yesterday i watched uh, two videos one video of uh, zelensky talking at the munich conference one year ago and another video of him talking to the same conference uh, recently and this is striking difference between two videos even if uh, i guess he had already that the same team of speech writers for this his previous speech but this is a different person i mean even physically if you look at the face so it's a quite quite a different face um, younger much younger one in one year he became maybe a couple of years maybe five years older he looks like five years older now and in manner of, of speech so uh, one year ago he was reading his speech you know reading and trying to accentuate important passages but now he's just talking openly you know to to the public and so being something very mm, very sure very sure of himself and of the message he is delivering so as if 
politics and the war is not only about about words, about what people tell, but this is about what they do. And uh, I guess that this is a secret why we are here now, we're still here in Ukraine and the country is still independent, it's still resisting because this capacity of the whole nation to act immediately and to transform immediately. And when I will look at the faces of our friends and even on our own faces, we see some differences. So it's kind of different expression. In just one year, you're becoming adults. What what, what, what you what you meant when you say said that it's like a like a, a initiation, like a, a rite de passage. So people who who come back to a kind of reality, very uh, severe, maybe cruel even reality, but uh, your chances to survive. They to survive to continue to be useful here. They are in correlation with what you can do, not only what you can say. Right. Um, let's let's talk about maybe ideas. And uh, one of the major idea of the past decades was the idea of the end of history by Francis Fukuyama. I don't think we need to explain to our audience what this idea meant, although. Uh, it was, of course, distorted in many ways. People just, uh, in many aspects, people are discussing the title and not the, the article or the book itself. Uh, but let's discuss it a little bit from another perspective because uh, uh, I think that uh, what Fukuyama tried to explain is that there are epochs uh, in history, in time, when history doesn't really matter, when uh, we are kind of a no longer living this in this uh, time of big transformations, when uh, the con- uh, the competition of ideas is gone and uh, the, the, the primary competition of ideas in the second half of the 20th century was the competition of ideas between communism and liberalism, before it was probably between communism and, and fascism, the far-right and far-left ideas. And when Fukuyama was writing in 1980, Nine, the this text, he was actually living through the time when the competition of ideas was no longer there, when there was this liberal democratic idea who seemed to be won over, over communism and probably of the idea of authoritarianism. And, and, the, and the future looked like a, a big uh, transition. Like So this is the word which was applied to Eastern Europe, transition. So we know transitions, the word transition meant that we know what your future will look like. You see that goal, it's like you know, one kilometer away, you already see it. You see that tower in one kilometer, so you have to go there. And there are some obstacles, but you will certainly be there. It depends on you whether you'll be there in, in 10 minutes or you will be there in 10 years. Uh, but it appears that it, it was an illusion that the, the this tower in one kilometer it was just um, fata morgana, and and history came back. And and what I am actually reproaching to Fukuyama is not the idea of the end of history, uh, because I think that history did end in the Western world, primarily in Europe, about in in around 1960s or maybe in 1950s, when actually everything was transforming from this big uh, big human drama and tragedy into a kind of cooperation and exchange and uh, and the European integration and, and, and all the rest. I think that precisely on the point when Fukuyama um, Fukuyama diagnosed the end of history, history has begun. And history has restarted. And it restart and, and, and the problem is the paradox is that Fukuyama saw 
this moment of 1989 he saw as the beginning of something else whereas it was actually the end of something else the end of this uh, of this period the, of time where there were no there is a kind of stop of history the end the end of end of history actually in yeah. 1989 was the end of end of history and what is also um, a paradox about our present about what's happening now after 90s uh, and specifically in our geography this is set uh, the the major force which would like to come back to history so we are talking about putin's russia So they are trying to 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 make history back they are trying to say that the world is now so uh so pacific so there are another forces so not only one model this european model the american model there will be some other forces they they're talking about multipolaric world etc etc and at the same time what they are really trying to do they're trying to move into the past so when putin is trying to 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 to, to say make russia great again so he is trying to get back to to his fate I mean to the failure of the Soviet Empire and to 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 make in a way that the Soviet Soviet Union has not lost the Cold War and to make uh, Soviet the Soviet Empire Russian Empire great again so that's why they start all this series of aggressions against their neighbors starting from 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 Moldova Maria the first and then Chechnya and then uh, Georgia and then Ukraine and then full scale invasion into Ukraine so they're trying to get back to this idea so this is a paradoxical movement when you try to 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 make history move on but what you really try to do you trying to to get back and this why specifically why if you ask people in Russia according to what uh, to what uh, sociological polls say uh, it's mostly more, mostly old people who support these ideas this uh, this regime first of all they are more naive because for them this is if as if you could get back to your to your young years and young people on the country people in 20 years even 30 years are much more skeptical about this project of future and so this is a a story about Russia trying to make history go on but they what they really want they try to get back what ukraine is trying to do so for us when you when you say that uh, make uh, ukraine great again it not, never functioned here because ukraine's history is a tragic one we have a, had a lot of tragedies in our past so that's if we're trying to move and to resist to this invasion and to this aggression this is precisely because we kind we kind of trying to get to a kind of future which will be completely different from our, our past so we try to conceive a future which will never be like our past and our present so this and this is a, a vision uh, which is totally open to to what you, to what we really don't know and between these two extremes a country which is trying to get to its past russia and ukraine a country which is trying to get to its future it we don't have a clear vision even of what it will be we have these european partners europe as a continent europe as a community its values and these people this space i would say which sticks to the present because uh, when we've seen that europe was quite quite uh, slow to 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 take decisions and to start acting it was precisely because the zone of, of comfort was very important for europeans and it takes time to realize uh, what kind of challenge uh, you're dealing with when you deal with russia what kind of challenge you deal when you when you understand that they will violate all principles and international law and all this kind of stuff so um and between this so they try to make the history impossible you know in a way just to stick to the present 
but this is impossible to stay in this in this end of the history. That's a very interesting thought, a very interesting idea. Uh, I think it's 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 very true that while while Russia is the captive uh, of the past of nostalgia, Europe is captive of the present, and this is also dangerous. And uh, I mean, I was always I'm always skeptical about these futurologists. Uh, who are talking about talk, talking to us how the world will look like in 10 years in 15 years because they, it's not a talk about future it's a talk about how the future will look like if the present persists if if we just uh, is is the idea of the future as a projection of the present into the into the time into the into the future but history is not like that history is not as we said is is that you can see a tower in one kilometer and just you you move forward history is a labyrinth is a labyrinth of a minotaurus when uh, you see walls you see some corridors you he- you see some doors and you don't know what will expect you there uh, and and we are living inside history because you know it. Our listeners know it. Even even if you are not going through this war, you went through COVID, which was totally historical and totally unpredictable. Which was, and this is this is what history is like. So Europe, as and maybe America as well, a little bit, uh, and and a future depends on the fact whether they will open the future for them, whether they will really think about the future in 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 a good way not as just a projection or continuation of the present i think it's also linked to to what we call on the most banal level like standards of life so if you are if you're satisfied with what you with, with with what you have, you have no motivation to move forward. So it's also linked, I think, to that. And when you live in a country where nothing is okay, so I mean, a lot of things are really not okay, so you have much more motivation to to conceive a vision of a future which never existed. So this is also linked to that. So um, the more prosperous, the more comfortable your life is, less you think about the future, or more you think, you, you imagine your future as a prolongation of your, of your present, because you would not like to change anything in your life, so this is quite clear why uh, why you have why we have such a differences between 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 geographies between countries. Yeah, it's very interesting, and it's it's also very important, I think, that to look at certain other figures of of intellectual history, for example, existentialism. After the World War II, there was the biggest discurrent, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, etc., who were telling that, look, we are free people. The human being is free, and there is no essence behind us. It's only only existentia. There is no essentia, only existentia. And this existentia is actually the spirit of nothingness. So we are free because there is nothing, in a way, nothing defined, nothing essential for us in the past. And I think he was wrong. He was totally wrong because we are always defined by something in the past. What we see uh, in the future, the future is nothingness. So the future does not... The future looks looks foggy, and you have to accept that. That actually, the future can look absolutely different from what you actually think of it. So the future is not behind this nothingness, uh, this room for empty room is is not behind us, but above us, uh, before us, in front of us. And I think this is important. Let's also talk about uh, another version of the end of history. 
And uh, this was also in the times when Fukuyama was writing. And uh, this is his opponent, uh, who is still considered um, in, in some Western, by some Western intellectuals as somebody who described it very well, what's happening with the world, what would happen in the 21st century. I mean, uh, Huntington, Samuel Huntington, his clash of civilizations. So contrary to Fukuyama, who would rather see that the world space will be homogeneous and is homogenizing. Uh, Huntington would say that no, there are clash of civilizations uh, and, and they will all, always be in, in the antagonism and, and the major force behind them is religious religion. So there is a Western Christian civilization, Eastern Christian, there is a Muslim civilization, etc. But what was wrong with this, I, I think, in one hour history proves that it was wrong because he was actually thinking about the history in terms of space, in terms of a map. He was mapping mapping the world, drawing clear borders between these civilizations and saying it will persist like this and they will just fight between each other. So what we see right now is that history is not about this. It's yes, exactly. about the moving of the borders. The history is about changing the structure and unmapping in in, in certain way, unmapping of the map. Yes, exactly. And what we see specifically here in our geography, so we are talking about the possibility of the Ukraine to get out out of this civilization, of this influence, Russian influence, which has been in the previous centuries, first in, in the Russian Empire and then during Soviet times. So we are talking about, and th th that's what the, this war is about. So Putin cannot tolerate the fact that Ukraine could be out of the game, out of the geography and out of this border of zone of influence. So specifically, and the, the, only the mere fact that Ukraine is a um, Eastern type of Christianity changes nothing in it. So And Ukraine, so now you see all this formal discussion about European Union membership, about NATO membership, so the uh, talks about that, which are much more explicit this year if you compare to what was happening before, but even when the whole history started back in 2013 with the Euromaidan times, it was specifically and explicitly about European Union and about the European identity of Ukraine and um, away from Russian, from Russian civilization, from this form of uh, social organization, of this nature of power, this nature of of, uh, relationship between people, these principles and these values. So this is about, and this is when history started. So this started in in 2013, late 2013, with this popular uprising, a protests in the central square in Kiev. Just like a couple of thousands of people were there. But now we see the continuation of the game, which is much much bigger. Because after that, after Yanukovych left the country, there were annexation of the Crimea. Because it was specifically reaction of Putin against this uh, this right of people to. To, to express what they want to, what kind of geography, what kind of mental mapping they like to belong to. So uh, Ukrainians chose uh, Europe and it was inadmissible for Putin. So he started with Crimea and then he moved on this with hybrid war in Donbass, and the real war in Donbass, and then this full-scale in, invasion eight years later, which lasts already for one year. So this is about the possibility of borders to change. And um, and it happened before in history. So we we're talking about Soviet zone of influence, which which went quite far away to the to the west, to, to the Eastern European, Central European countries. They no more belong to this zone of influence. So you cannot really say that there is kind of a real border between between uh, between civilizations, and they can move. And that's exactly where the history happens. 
Yes, and uh, while we are saying, while we're reproaching, while we're criticizing um, Fukuyama and this thesis of end of history, why I think that history has actually begun in uh, 1989 or 1991, because what is history? History is the collapse of structures, the collapse of this uh, spatial idea of, of our existence, uh, the collapse of this idea that everything can be mapped and you can, and it's like eternal present and uh, there are all elements of the structure and they're cooperating with, with each other, they're, and they're conflicting with each other, but, but the structure is there. And uh, I think that, well, precisely because the Cold War was kind of a structured with, with, with these two poles, when you remove a, a one of these poles, and we consider in Ukraine that this pole, of course, was criminal, was evil, etc. But when you remove it, Actually, it it uh, it doesn't mean that the first pole just won and everything will be fine. It means that the element of structure one of the structure is gone, one of the key element, and then there will be lots of movement around it. For example, the another element will try to move in the spaces which were left by this first element which is gone, this first element will try to make a revenge, make a revenge for this uh, for this loss, and this is what is happening. So everything starts moving, and this 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 is what history is about. That's precisely when Putin argumented about the necessity of this war, he was talking all the time about Russia as a global power. He was trying to get back to times when Soviet Union, I mean, the the previous form of the country was a kind of a global power against the United States. But what's happening now for many decades already, Russia was has been mostly local, mostly regional power. And what is really happening now is that whatever, however the conflict will end, it's almost sure that it's... it's, it's we are sure that Russia will uh, will be much weaker uh, in the end than it was be- before it it started this invasion against Ukraine. So this is about the um, they will lose they will lose in in terms of their influence in the region, and the, the big question is who will replace. Russia in the region, and there are some some candidates for this role, for this element. Uh, most probably, it will be China, uh, which uh, country which is not participating directly in, directly in this conflict, but which is the only one maybe which loses uh, who loses nothing in this conflict. So we see that Russia loses a lot in terms of people, soldiers, in terms of influence, in terms of economy, uh, everything, and it loses the game in the end. Uh, Ukraine. Uh, surely lo- lose a lot of people, a lot of economy. Uh, for sure, we suffer uh, the most because the war is happening uh, on our territory. We have plenty of uh, cities and towns and villages already destroyed. So this is really a, a, a huge harm to the country, as any war is. And if you look at what's happening in Europe and in the United States, they also contribute as far as they contribute to this war. They they will also lose some part of resources because they need resources to to, to help Ukraine in terms of uh, arms, in terms of uh, economic assistance and all kind of stuff. So they are weakening. And the only part of this game which is still gaining some results, it's China. So as as, as you said, uh, we discussed that before, you said that uh, the United States uh, in the previous wars, uh, world wars, and sec- sec- uh, first, second war, and sec- uh, first and second world war, uh, it uh, started to participate in the war 
in the end. So when they, it was uh, two parts were already uh, sufficiently exhausted. So and they decided decided the the end of this war. So uh, we cannot exclude that China will 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 act, but it will act. Uh, later, maybe um, closer to the end of the conflict, and uh, according to on which side, which side it will choose, it will depend the end of the conflict, who will win this war, or even if China is not participated in this war, after the war it will be stronger, much stronger than any other power in the region and on the globe. We will see because this is also we are talking about history and maybe something will happen around this in the in the meantime that will absolutely cancel our predictions. But I think what is what is happening if history is unmaking of the old structures, then and if history is coming back, then we should be prepared for this unmaking of the old structures, including maybe international institutions who are very much under under fire right now, who are you know, incapable of, of doing anything uh, sen- uh, anything mini- meaningful, starting from the UN and ending with, for example, the Red Cross, the International Committee of the Red Cross, which is, and, and many other international institutions who are actually um, helping U- Ukraine in a, in a strange way. We don't see them closer to the front line. We don't see them in... Uh, in in towns like Kramatorsk, uh, unfortunately, so they kind of are trying to keep distance from 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 the physical present, maybe understandably so. Uh, but um, but if history is an unmaking of the old structures, then we might be entering really a 21st century, which is not at all as the second half of the 20th century, when everything, I mean, is united under United Nations, when we proceed with global organizations. Maybe uh, we will enter the period much more gloomy, where there there will be camps, different camps, in the world, and they will be in conflict. And in this sense, the Western world was living in this kind of illusion of the end of history that he, it will persuade all the other worlds to, uh, you know, to, to 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 take on the path, the successful path of capitalism and democracy, and therefore it should not really be prepared for defense, for security, and this warrior ethos on which uh, both Europe and America were born. Should be rather put into the into the into the basket into the into the past. Maybe we should come back to these values and and, and see how we can we can re relook or refine these ideas of a warrior ethos without, of course, damaging the idea of dialogue and, and conversation uh, on which Europe Europe has been built upon. So these are these are the things that we should think about and. Um, and be prepared maybe for a much more conflict-rich uh, century. I would also agree uh, that uh, this is extremely important to be able to stand physically for your principles, what is maybe the, the discovery for, for European countries, that uh, it's not enough to proclaim your principles and your values, uh, to write them somewhere, I don't know where, in the Constitution, in, in, in public opinion. But you have to, to be 
ready to act accordingly to these principles and values. And this is difficult, in fact, because it, it means some discomfort, it means that some sacrifice as well. And for, for many European countries, uh, it was like, uh, like history. You know? So it's back in history that people, they had to sacrifice some things to, uh, in order to achieve their results and their, their objectives. But now we, we have everything, so we don't need to move. But now we see that don't take for granted all these principles and values. So, and I think that's why Ukrainian example is so convincing. So they just Ukrainians just show that it's they're able to stand for what they believe and for for, for the abstract things like values or principles, uh, international law, whatever. So they are uh, able, they're able and ready to to resist physically for that. So this in this archaic form of resistance. So. Because war is always archaic. It's always about physical death, about physical fighting. There's nothing romantic about it. Nothing. Uh, it's not sophisticated. So th- the war is very primitive thing. So it existed from the where humanity uh, appears. So it was always like that, and it's still like that. Even if we have all the technological things and we we use weapons, long distance weapons, but still this is a war, and the war is about the death of the enemy. So and when you say that, yes. We have these principles, and we are ready to stand for them, to fight for them. So this is diff- it makes a difference. Yeah, and the problem is that this idea the, of a warrior who defends his or her, her city, or fatherland, or motherland, or, or his family, this idea was discredited in the Western world after the Second World War uh, because this idea was very much, you know, manipulated by fascism and Nazism, who are created this image of strong people who are, you know, warriors, etc. And I think that this is also the element of this new beginning of history that we should somehow rehabilitate this this image of the warrior, take it both from this. Nazi uh, Nazi stereotypes and and think how we could reintegrate this idea of the warrior into our or our understanding of democracies because democracies are not only about conversation dialogue compromises democracies are also about um, a capacity to defend your your motherland your values your 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 community and this is something that the great political philosophers of the past were absolutely uh, confident about and this why uh, that is a precise image of what we would call real politics now and not this kind of uh, argument that real politics is to continue conversation you know uh, tyrants and autocrats they always win so let putin get what he wants let him crimea give him crimea what any any other region stop this war and let's let's do business as usual so some cynic cynical politicians they suggest that to ukrainians that's why it's rejected because real politics is to say that you, you, you are able to defend and the democracy is not only about negotiation but also about the capacity to stay strong in front of other types of regimes like autocratic regimes and this is real this is a real value of your democracy and of your system if you are strong enough to face the challenge yeah that's right that's right and i think the the, the coming back of history in in many aspects means this so the structures are unmade, and in one of the structures is that actually we are uh, the twenty first century is going to unmake the eighteenth century. The eighteenth century was the Russian expansion to the West, Russian expansion into Europe, a Russian uh, a Russian Empire which actually captured the belt between Baltic Sea and uh, the Black Sea. 
Uh, and this is the way, this is the moment when Ukraine was defeated, Ukrainian Cossack state was annihilated, undone, and uh, when Poland was divided, when Crimean Hanet was occupied, when Finland was occupied, uh, Baltic states. So th- these are, these are this, the, 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 the same actually story of Russian expansion to the West, of Russian becoming a European empire under, under Peter I and Catherine II. What we are facing right now is that Russia moves farther to the to the east moves moves farther to the to Asia and this is a big um, undoing of the 18th century and uh, this will have of course consequences because if Russia ceases to be a European country it becomes a continental Asian country that means that of course it it will rather go it will rather you know cut its its connections with the European culture European history and will rather seek its origins in the Golden Horde and this Mongol Empire and uh, this is what Russian Eurasianists were dreaming about starting from the 1920s and through people like Dugin today. But this is, of course, a big unmaking because on the one hand, the, the Russia ceases to be in a European empire. On the other hand, Europe is actually moving to the east and uh, very organically, right? So, so it proves once again that the borders are... Um, we can You can always change the borders and there is a movable border in a way and that, uh, in fact, Russia... Yes, indeed, if Peter I, he opened the window to, 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 to Europe, what Putin is trying to do, even if he says he's as big, as, as great as Peter the Great, he's doing the contrary to that process. He's trying to close this European window for Russia and he's moving to, to Asia. Uh, to Asia and to this uh, continent. It will be a new border, a new civilization, your identities as well. And it created a different identity for Ukrainian nation as well. Yeah, but this is all, this is just uh, the way how we see the trend right now. But our big conclusion today is that history is about the labyrinth, the labyrinth of Minotaurus. And uh, it's all very unpredictable. It's all full of black swans. And we should be prepared for that as well. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org. My name is Vladimir Yermolenko. My co-host is Tetyana Harkova. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on various platforms. And don't forget to support us at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. You can also support our volunteer humanitarian trips to the front line at PayPal, ukraine.resisting.com. Thank you for listening. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.